What number is this, Chip? Zilch128, Andrew Sandoval, Australia, Monkeys, and more. Okay, don't, mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. Zilch, Zilch. You're listening to Zilch, a Monkeys podcast. are open. <laughs> <laughs> the phone lines are open. Please turn down your radio when you call in to my show. <laughs> Welcome back to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys, and today we are joined by the one, the only, Andrew Sandoval. Welcome to Zilch, sir. Thank you very much, Ken. It's lovely to be back here in your confines, in the pad, and um, you know, really it's been an incredible year of a lot of stuff. It really has. And a lot of stuff to look forward to, so we're going to talk all about that stuff. Yes, very much so. Now, let's take a little talk about what's already happened and what's coming. Let's let's start with what's already happened. What are you most thrilled about this year so far, as far as what's happened thus far? Well, looking back, you know, going back to January, um, the thrill of Michael Nesmith and the First National Band, those shows um, in California were just a real highlight for me and my, you know, in my musical life because I'd always wanted to hear him do that material, but also my career of setting those up and really believing in them. And I'm so excited that this January, Michael's going to return to some of those same stages and he's going to be performing the, and the hits just keep on coming album plus a bunch of other songs. Mm-hmm. Pete Finney and Michael are going back out on the road in, in January in this duo configuration, which is something Michael hasn't done since the mid seventies when he worked with red roads. And I, I just think it's, adds a lot of exciting possibilities. I mean, if you consider the arc of what Michael's been through this year, it's really probably the most incredible thing in the in the monkey story for this year, which is that he started out the year on a total high with um, the redux of the first national band performing that music in front of loving audiences for the first time really ever. And then got into working with Mickey to do this duo tour of the Mike and Mickey show, which was wonderful and very, very well received and uh, incredible to hear him do a bunch of songs he'd never performed live, like St. Matthew, and Anti-Municipal Court, things like that. And then, you know, we had his big health. Uh, I wouldn't even, I can't even call it a health scare because it was a legitimate huge issue, which pulled down everything we were doing. And we had to go underground while he dealt with the issue, which was his heart and getting a major, major operation, quadruple bypass surgery, you know, valve replacement, all kinds of stuff, and and just kind of dealing with that. And then coming back the other side of it, September, he went out and played shows again, and I wasn't sure he was going to be totally ready health-wise to endure that because it's really the travel that's so difficult. Most people are like, well, why, why aren't you coming to my town? Why aren't you doing this, and why wouldn't you do that? And and, and they have a day off. Why why don't they want to come to my family's party on that day? <laughs> <laughs> And so I always have to be very polite, but people still don't quite get how hard it is. Even I'm, you know, about 30 something years younger than they are. And, and gosh, it's terrible. It's really, really tough. 
it's not so bad. You know, you figure like, well, what? You get on a plane or you get on a bus and you go to the next place. When you do that day after day after day, it really, really piles up. Mm-hmm. And then coupled with performing, you know, doing a long show every night. Or the days off seem to be almost worse than the, the days on. Mm-hmm. Because we're traveling and stuff. So it's really been hard on him and very, very hard on Mickey as well um, to get through all of this stuff. But they want to do it. That's the bottom line. And um, so so it's been gratifying to see him back up on the stage. And I'm really, really excited about January and him doing these other shows. And I just hope that more people come out for those shows because I've noticed that um, while there was a tremendous buzz this past January for him to do the first national band shows, it seems like people are kind of a little bit quieter about this thing. And I think it's um, just as stupendous and possibly even more rewarding in a lot of ways artistically uh, to hear him do a bunch of songs he's never done before um, on the stage. So, you know, I'm just hoping that people, especially the Zilch listeners, will pass on their good words about Michael and the shows he's been doing this year. And just, well, I think it's a really big, big deal to come out and see him in January, if you can. It's kind of like Nez Unplugged. Go see this tour and off the album and the hits just keep coming. It's different drum. Check out the steel guitar work on this. Travel to the beat of a different drum Can't you tell by the way I'm wrong Every time you make eyes at me Yes, you cry and and say it'll work out But honey child, I've got my doubts You can't see the forest for the trees don't get me wrong, it's not that I knock it It's just that I am not in the market For a girl who wants to love only me And I'm not saying that you ain't pretty All's I'm saying is that I'm not ready For any person, place, or thing To try and pull the reins in on Find a man who will take a lot more than I ever could or can And you'll settle down with him And I know that you'll be happy So goodbye I'm leaving I see no sense in you crying and grieving We'll both live a lot longer If you live without me, babe I'll go red Goodbye, 
Tennessee, no sense in you crying and grieving. We'll both live a lot longer if you live without me, babe. If you live without me, woman. Ooh, if you live without me. So, folks, get out there and see Michael Nesmith with Pete Finney. This is going to be kind of really a once-in-a-lifetime thing, probably. I mean, there's only a, a small handful of shows. And this starts on January 17th, 2019, Seattle, Washington, at the Neptune Theater. And then again on January 19th, 2019, on Grants Pass, Oregon, the Rogue Theater. And then on the 20th of January... We've got Sacramento, California, the Sophia Center for the Arts, and on January 22nd, West Hollywood, California, the Troubadour, back where it's all began, right? That's correct. Yeah, that's where Michael was the Hootmaster prior to the Monkees and where he debuted most of the First National Band stuff and was uh, a, a regular place. I mean, <laughs> he was a regular at the place. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll tell you a little memory I have of, of January going back this year. Michael, on the day of the Troubadour show this past January, called me up and said, oh, I really want to have a meeting with our booking agents. And, you know, he was excited because we mm-hmm. sold out all these shows. And um, and so we had to talk about what we could do in the future with Michael and his music. And after the meeting, it was the day of the Troubadour show. And he said, hey, could you drive me over to the Troubadour? And I said, really? This is weird. <laughs> you know, so we drove over and we had this nice chat on the way over reminiscing about uh, about the troubadour and kind of going in the back way. He's like, Oh, I'll show you where you go to, you know, this is how you go into the back. And, you know, just thinking of taking this journey with Michael, a journey with Michael blessing, as it were, uh, you know, the same one that he would have taken in 1965 and early 66 to get to the club and bringing him to the show, which was, you know, just such an ecstatically received, evening which obviously has been captured on a record people can get the record now that which is wonderful so um so yeah it 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 was a very special moment for me um you know as a music lover and as a as an admirer of of all of that to take part in that and and set up those shows and set up these shows which i think are going to be equally exciting and and amazing my money is to be there at the Troubadour because there's just something special about that particular venue and Michael Nesmith, a place to really be seriously. But it doesn't stop there. Also on January 24th, 2019 at San Juan Capistrano, the coach house. And then the final date, as of now, right? This is the final date. January 26th, 2019 at Mill Valley, California at the Sweetwater Music Hall. Yeah, just so everybody's aware that that Sweetwater Music Hall is a very, very intimate, small place. It holds yes, about it two, is. About 200 people, and there's still a few tickets left. So I want to see everybody there and nice and fill up because we played somewhere. Uh, we played the uh, the chapel last time in San Francisco, which was considerably bigger and very full. And we had Ben Gibbard there as a, as a guest. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to have a couple of special guests at the beginning of this tour as well. I a uh, little birdie told me that maybe in in Seattle uh, we might have another another special guest with with Nez. So that so that would be kind of cool. And uh, it's a lot of reasons to come out and see this. But yes, there are no other dates. I've got nothing else up my sleeve. It's not like he's going to come uh, uh, back and do this again. And certainly, uh, 
people have to understand that, oh, well, I'll, I'll catch them next time or whatever. There are very there are fewer and fewer next times now. Mm-hmm. Also, the if you say, well, he'll be back in six months or he'll be back in whatever, you know, it, they um, a lot of these venues you can't rebook right away. Right. So this is this is kind of all that there is right now, and mm-hmm. we are coming up on these rescheduled Mike and Mickey dates, which are going to be exciting. And I, I I read online some concern because they said, oh well, the you know it just says the Bunkies, it doesn't say the Mike and Mickey show. It's like well, we had to kind of do something for the people who who hung on with us mm-hmm. from June and took our good faith that we would come back and make make good on all of this stuff. And we still had a bunch of tickets to sell on those shows. And they said, well, you know, would you mind having the monkeys nice and big on, on the ad for the social media? So, uh, so that people would know, you know, that they're getting essentially a monkey show that these guys aren't just going off doing two solo shows because there has been some confusion. I mean, not amongst the zilch listeners, I'm sure, because they've all thought about it and heard about it for a year Mm -hmm. now. But among the general public, well, what is this Mike and Mickey show? We don't know. And then people say, well, unless they're going to, you know, uh, release a DVD, I don't, I don't want to know anything about it. Well, they're not going to release a DVD, but we did record the shows in June and there's a lot of good recordings. So that's great. And I, I assume that they're going to come out through Rhino, but as far as the way it's advertised and letting people know, I mean, they're essentially getting a monkey show and, and the set list will remain the same from the shows in June to these ones in March. I don't expect a lot of changes or surprises or deletions even. And, uh, you know, it's very important that we, we get everybody out to see these shows because if they don't come out there, the monkeys won't come back and, the, <laughs> and they might not get another shot at seeing these guys do these songs. I mean, Whoever thought we'd get to see Michael perform St. Matthew or he's singing Auntie's Municipal Court. I only asked about them doing that for eight years. So, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's one of those things. But um, people always think, oh, there must be some reason behind this. Well, no, it's just that we're, you know, we're trying to get people beyond just the hardcore fans. And I think that there were a lot of people who, you know, who had reached some sort of fatigue or something like that or didn't didn't really quite understand what the Mike and Mickey show was so it's still the Mike and Mickey show it's still that great set list that we came up with and it's still very much a monkey show under the banner of the monkeys the monkeys present so well I'm really looking forward to seeing everybody in March on the monkeys present the Mike and Mickey show tour or whatever we want to call it on that given day uh, I, we're hitting we're hitting the four places that we missed in June because of Michael's health issues, and we added on another eight shows uh, to because we didn't we didn't quite hit all of the places in the Midwest that we wanted to on the first go round, and there were a few places in the mid in in, in the Northeast that uh, that really wanted to show as well, so we were able to add on those. So tickets are available and. Other than the Keswick, which is just about sold out, I think there's like one ticket left or two tickets left. Everything is sort of on the table and available, and I hope to hope to see you all there. 
There's some good times coming on, and I'll tell you what, you done went and did it. There's going to be the the, the final stop of the tour in America, the last one in St. Louis. We've got a big zilch party planned, all of us zilch maniacs, because it wouldn't be a monkey's tour without St. Louis, right? That's correct. That's correct. A bunch of us are going to be there, so you're going to have to put up with me again, Andrew, and uh, it's going to be fantastic, because it it was looking like I wasn't going to get a chance to see the Mike and Mickey tour, the monkeys, and it's, it's just fantastic that this worked out. We're all very thrilled, and we have our tickets already in hand, so we want to encourage everyone, there are going to be zilch Mike and Mickey buttons that you can only get on tour. So there will be people They're They're giving out a hundred at each stop. So get your buttons, enjoy a great show. And we will see you all out there. There's, it's going to be a zilch party. It's going to be a monkey party and it's more good times, right? Yes. Fantastic. It's going to be a Ken and Andrew party because I'll be there and you'll be there. Yes, that's right. And the rest of the button queen, everybody else, all of us, a bunch of zilchaholics. I don't, is that a word, zilchaholics? No. Well, we'll just stick with zilchers. Yeah. I think now it is. <laughs> but the really big, super huge news for our friends down under. The monkeys returned to Australia and New Zealand 2019. Who would have thought? This is going to be very exciting. And when this, I mean, this basically broke Facebook the other day (laughs) well it is an exciting thing that has been long long in the planning stages for us to get over there is is a big deal Mm -hmm. Uh, but we had such a good time two years ago uh with mickey and peter doing the shows with uh the guy who brought us over last time and he made us an offer while we were in the midst of the mike and mickey shows this past june and we were all kind of up and excited about it at the time, but then Michael became quite ill, and that became priority number one. And so I just had to put the whole thing off. And somehow we got it back around, and everybody wanted to do it again. So it's really wonderful that we get down there. And also, they haven't seen Michael for decades. <laughs> and he was doing quite well over there last time he performed there. We're actually going to play at the Palais of the famous Live at the Palais uh, uh, album that he did in the 70s in Melbourne. So um, it, it's going to be quite quite great. And, you know, Mickey, last time we'd been there, hadn't been to New Zealand since he was uh, a young, young chap in the 50s when he went on some sort of uh, expedition with his neighbor there. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, there'll be a lot of memories. And um, last time we finished the... 50th anniversary tour in in um, Australia in 2016, and it really we just it, it was a wonderful celebration, and we had um, we had such a good time, and uh, I just I just see that that's going to be a, a repeat, and and the people there are are so starved to see us. I, I really had hoped to get back to Japan and tried to put all that together as well, but it doesn't seem like we're going to Japan. So for the time being, we're going to be in Australia. And, uh, and then, you know, that's sort of the last of our U.S. dates as well, the ones in March. So if you want to see a monkey show this year, it's not a solo show, which, uh, you know, Mickey does a lot of wonderful solo shows, and he'll be out doing some of those. And Michael, of course, is, you know, doing this group of shows in January. If you want to see the monkeys, uh, this is your chance in Australia or in America. And 
it might require travel. And just remember that your two favorite guys are traveling a great deal to see you as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> Santa Claus is the one who stops at everybody's house, right? But, you know, when the monkeys prophesy that they may be coming to your town, you might have to do a little traveling too. So They may be coming to your town. But yes, if they, they don't, may- don't be upset. It's not a conspiracy. It's just... We're doing our best to see as many people as we can at one time, and uh, and that that's really the bottom line. I mean, in 2016, we did get to a lot of places we haven't been to in, in ages and ages and ages. And if you couldn't make it to see us then, I'm sorry that we didn't fit into your schedule, and I'm sorry that we're not in your town specifically this time. But we are hitting a lot of towns that uh, that are excited to see the monkeys, and a lot of fans have bought tickets for these upcoming shows. So I'm excited. And uh, and I always look forward to meeting everybody at the at the shows because I'm usually at, at all the shows, and uh, it really is an honor to present these concerts and bring a really really good show for Monkeys fans. The one the kind of show that I always wanted to see growing up from these guys with the incredible set list and visuals and the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to monkey around, don't monkey around, right? Uh, don't 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 miss out on getting tickets. Now, do you have a list of the dates from Australia and New Zealand? Yeah, we're going to start out our tour in New Zealand in Christchurch at the Isaac Theater on Saturday, June the eighth. Then we're going to be in Auckland at Great Hall on Sunday, June the ninth. Then we're going to Wellington on Monday, June the tenth at the Michael Fowler Center. Then we'll be in Australia on Wednesday, June the 12th at Brisbane's QPAC, which uh, is the Queensland Performing Arts Center. I think we performed that in, in that venue in 2016. On Saturday, June the 15th, we're going to be at Melbourne's Palais Theatre. <laughs> and, uh, and that's where Michael recorded his famous live album. And then on Sunday, June the 16th, we're going to be in Perth at the Astor Theatre. And then we're finishing the tour at one of the most historic and significant concert venues in the world on Tuesday, June 18th, we'll be in Sydney at Sydney's opera house and getting that nailed down was the biggest, biggest, biggest hurdle in this whole tour because getting the availability, just like when you play at say Royal Albert hall in London, which we always love to do. And, or like when we played at the Pantages theater in Los Angeles, getting a night when it's available is so, so difficult. And, uh, but people love to see, to see concerts there. And so we're really looking forward to seeing everybody in Sydney for that last date. What an amazing, iconic venue. Yes. Incredible. You can immediately recognize it. Even if you've never been to Australia, you know what it is. So it's just fantastic. And of course there are VIP meet and greets, uh, packages that are available, both platinum and gold. Where do they go to find out about this? The guy who's bringing us over there, his name is David Roy Williams, and mm-hmm. all of the information for the tour will be on his site at davidroywilliams.com. And, of course, the individual venues will have information about their tickets, but I believe that it will all be through David Roy Williams that you'll be able to get to a lot of the information. And, of course, on the Monkeys Tour Facebook page and Twitter, uh, which you should all be uh, join in and, and like or follow. Yes. We will have all the information. We get it straight from the promoter of the shows and straight from Mike and Mickey. And so up to the minute, we will have the information and we'll help you if we can 
to try and find information if you're missing it. And it's really, it's really wonderful to be able to connect with fans the way we do. Excellent. Plus, there's always the famous podcast line, look in the show notes. So we will also have the links in our show notes on the Zilch Blogspot or on the Zilch Facebook page as well. As a matter of fact, if you're listening to this, you can probably click the picture that goes with it and find it. So there you go. Of course, we have to mention the Monkey's Christmas Party. That's taken on a life of its own, and it's really taken off. What are your thoughts on the responses to it? It's really, really growing. You know, it's a, it's a quite a different record than Good Times, as we all know, because it's more of a it's a different thematic type of record. And what we've seen is like this past week, we got a report, and the sales are the biggest that we've had so far since the release. So. It's something that it's really picking up. And I think a lot of people were sort of curious or concerned or why would the monkeys want to do this record or, you know, that sort of thing. And again, it's to kind of reach beyond their their normal audience, which mm-hmm. nothing wrong with their normal audience. We all we all love one another. We're all happy that we're here. But it's it's a small audience and we need to keep growing the monkeys audience in order for there to be new fans and for people to take over the mantle when I can't do it anymore and you can't do it anymore. And, you know, this monkeys thing really kind of needs to continue because as we were talking about earlier, it makes so many people happy and wouldn't it be great if more people could dig it and, and, and enjoy it. And maybe the way they're going to hear it is sitting in a department store, standing in line for something and they hear, you know, what would Santa do or one of these other songs and like, what's that? And they, you know, put on their Shazam or Soundhound or whatever they do and, Oh, it's the monkeys, and then they they hear the monkeys or any any kind of song. You know, that's that's where we all we we stumble on music. Somebody introduces it to us, or we hear it in passing. And I think for a lot of people who are already died in the wool monkeys fans, you know, they saw it on TV one day, or they heard it on the radio, or it happened on MTV or whatever. They can't remember life before the monkeys, mm-hmm. but a lot of people there's still millions and millions of people who don't know the monkeys music. And I think that those people should hear the monkeys music because I think that they would really enjoy it. And that's what this Christmas record is kind of about. It's about new fans, the old fans enjoying something else and another opportunity for the guys to sing on record. I think the two Michael Nesbitt songs are really incredible on the album. Really, really do. And uh, there's a premiere of what would Santa do as a video, as a lyric video, as they call it. And, it's been amazing to see that sort of unfold with Michael Allred and, and uh, the cartoons and anime, you know the uh, illustrations rather. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's 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 an ongoing project, and you know I guess there's going to be vinyl next year on it. So I I think it's going to be one of those more perennial kind of records that's going to pop in and out of our consciousness. You know, it's not going to be uh, a Pisces Aquarius. <laughs> It's going to be neat that you can actually buy the vinyl next year. Right. Keep it going. The holidays are here. The holidays are here. This is Michael Nesmith, and you are listening to Zilch. Happy holidays to one and all. Christmas 
This is Mickey Dolan's of the Monkeys, and you're listening to Zilch. We were talking about some of the the newer fans, and I recently sat down with a group called the Woolhack Club, and they're all people, I'd say, 12 to 24, and they have a communal monkeys group that they do on all the social medias and on YouTube, and it was it was amazingly refreshing to speak to them. Because to them, this whole monkey's experience is brand new and fun. There's no complaining about, oh, this wasn't done and that wasn't done. They're just excited because they're now part of this new thing. I did an interview with them. It's going to be airing at some point soon here. But it was great to hear their enthusiasm. And it was great to hear that this monkey love, this monkey thing that has went through all these generations is going to continue on. It's very exciting. Have you heard about them? I have not. This is the first I've heard of them. And, and I think that that is really exciting because that's my big wish in all this. You know, I mean, I spent 15 years writing a book on the monkeys. And I, I, it wasn't 15 years every day, but it was off and on for 15 years. It took that much time to get through to make my monkeys book. And, you know, 
that was 15 years of my life. I'm never going to get back. And then I've spent the last eight years putting on concert tours and going and traveling with them. Now, I would hate for all of that to just end when it ends for me, when my life ends. You know, or you'd think that this thing that we've all really enjoyed so much really does have have a have a lot have an afterlife. And and I I want to see that happen, um, not just for all the time I spent, but for for everybody. And and I think that I've always felt that if it were not for the monkeys fans the monkeys would have just ended in 1970 there wouldn't wouldn't have been a need for them to ever do anything else again and the memory would have just faded and and there wouldn't have been anything more but the monkeys fans really wanted more and they they created this whole other thing this whole other secondary version of the monkeys and and now it's whatever you want it to be exactly and just as, for example, the, the famous KISS Army, for example, has in a sense become part of what KISS is all about, the same thing applies to the Monkees. The Monkees fans have become, in a sense, the Monkees because they are keeping it going. Whether it's a convention or something, you know, a fan fiction thing or maybe a, a Lego clip made on YouTube or something like that, or even this podcast or whatever you do to keep the monkey spirit alive and keep it true to to its form you really are becoming what the monkeys are about right it's amazing it is a it is a very meta sort of project what Bert and Bob created and they didn't even understand that their their idea of this creation would take on this other life because of those four guys and i think it's very much down to those four guys their personalities and how they touch everybody uh, you know, artistically, it, it really is an incredible thing. So I love seeing it. I love seeing it continue. I love seeing it, uh, you know, in all its various, uh, various incarnations as the solo guys, the group guys, monkey show, uh, solo show, all the different creative things you can do. Cause they have such a rich catalog of stuff. So it's just, you know, that's, that's what's still exciting. That's why I'm still at it. I still, thinking about it um, all the time. Well, we really do appreciate all of the work that you do for the monkeys and the, the solo stuff, everything that you do behind the scenes. You know, for folks who really want to check out a little bit more about you, I'm going to put you on the spot. You have an excellent podcast. Would you like to talk about that? Sure, yeah. I have a podcast I've been doing for 12 years now uh, called Come to the Sunshine, and it really... It really goes behind the scenes to my collecting life of records. I love collecting records, and I have since I was four years old. My parents introduced me to music. I got into the Beatles, and then I got into lots of other stuff, uh, contemporary music, but also delving really deep into the 1960s as I got into my late teens, and then just sort of becoming obsessed with it. Now, I started working at Rhino, the label, when I was 17 years old. And that gave me an incredible access to all kinds of music, which, you know, now everybody can have access to it through Spotify or YouTube or whatever. They can dial up if they want to hear the Peanut Butter Conspiracy or Oliver and the Raiders or any of these obscure groups. They can find a lot of the stuff online. But back then, it was about trying to track down the records and uh, track down information and all this other stuff, which I don't think it's – I, I, I'm, I'm really happy that it's easier for people to, to get access to the stuff. But I'm still looking out for, for records in different groups all the time mm-hmm. from this one, you know, 10-year period of music. 
And that's what the show is about. It's sort of like building an encyclopedia of 60s music for myself and for other people who enjoy it. And so what I do is generally play about 20 45s in the first hour. And these are all things that I have actual vinyl records of or styring records if you're picky about that sort of thing. And I, I pick them out and sort of thematically play them in the first hour and I talk about who the artists are and who the writers are for the records and the producers and arrangers and all sorts of minutia, whatever I know when it was released. And then the second hour is usually a spotlight on a songwriter or a producer or an artist. Most recently I did a show on this group, the Montanas, who are popular in England. Not not super popular, but they made a lot of records and sort of I go through and I'll explore their catalog and try and pick out the best things to kind of turn people to music. And so that's what I've been doing for 12 years, and that's what I've been doing in my in my sideline, my time out, when I'm not producing reissues or producing concert tours. And when I'm out on concert tours, I will take a couple of, of hours or an hour or whatever I've got in whatever town we're in, and I'll go to try and track down some weird 45s to play on the show. And that's what I've been doing for a lot of years, and I've got about 5,045s that I have collected and I've been playing on this show. So it's interesting. It's, I wouldn't say it's very monkey centric, but we do cross over and we have had some monkeys episodes in the past. And, but I would say if you're interested in the sixties in general, sixties music, you're definitely going to hear something you haven't heard because I'm trying to hear things I haven't heard. So I'm, I'm looking for stuff. It's not just me regurgitating the stuff that everybody knows. It's, it's me exploring it, learning about it and, hoping to pass it on to you while I'm doing it. It's a, it's an excellent podcast and I've, I've been a long time listener and I, I really enjoyed the episode you did on the sixties band Marmalade. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. It, you know, some of these are bands that I've known about for years and years mm-hmm. and then uh, ideal pop in my head and I'll say, okay, I'm going to do Marmalade now. You know, I'm going to, I have to track down the mono copy of their album, which I don't have. Because all the CDs are in stereo. I always try and present something that you can't just normally get on a CD or streaming or on YouTube. Something that's unique to the show as well. So Yes, and, and I have to tell you, you sent me on some rabbit holes, right? Because <laughs> sometimes I'll hear a version on your show, and I want that exact version. And I find out it's only available on uh, a B-side 45 somewhere. And it's uh, thankfully you kind of give us indications of where we can get it, but (laughs) yes, yeah, it's, it's fun, but seriously, you're like a a great DJ and you are also like an archeologist. You, you take the time to spotlight an artist, performer, a songwriter, a producer. And it's, it's a show that I seriously recommend very highly. It's. I have these questions in my life about music and where songs come from and, and why a record was made like this or how it came out or all these things. And I'm trying to answer those questions and along the way I'm making this radio show. So sometimes I'll interview people too. I'll, I had this mm-hmm. great songwriter from England, John Carter, who wrote tons of fantastic songs. And I went to his house when I was in, in England in October and I, I talked to him for about an hour or so. And so, and then I, I you know, I broadcast that and, and I just... These are the little things that I'm doing, you know, that are making me happy in my life, and I'm sharing it with people. And there's a website, come to the sunshine.com, with playlists or the shows and links to the podcasts. And there's also Podomatic hosts more than a hundred of the shows. Um, there's been a lot of shows in the last twelve years, and 
Also, I'm on WFMU's Rock and Soul Ichiban, and they've got an archive there, which probably won't go away anytime soon. So that is wonderful. I love WFMU. They're such a such a wonderful station, and they've got so many cool shows and so many great things going on. They're real lovers of music, and they do a wonderful job. And, of course, they can find you on Spotify. Yes. So wherever fine podcasts are found. Exactly. So everybody should come to the sunshine at least once. And uh, and a lot of people write to me and say, "Oh yeah, I took I took the took it on my workout or my walk or my run or whatever." And you can listen to me talk, reel off the catalog numbers, and play my music. So it's fun. It's it's an extension of uh, my childhood of trying to get people to come into my room and sit and listen to records with me. <laughs> so so we we're all carrying on that tradition and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's that's what it is. There's a video up on YouTube where I show where I make the show and, and why I do it and, and answer some questions and stuff. So you can look out for that. But, yeah, it, it's really a pleasure, although the weekends get gobbled up by it. Yeah, yeah. Podcasting ain't an easy life, brother. No, no. <laughs> so we want to encourage everybody to check out Andrew Sandoval's podcast. It's fantastic. And the name of that, again, is? Come to the Sunshine. Very good. As a matter of fact, why don't we play Marmalade's Biggest Song? Great. So here, straight from the Come to the Sunshine playlist, the home of the bop bop Boz and La La La's, this is The Marmalade and Reflections of My Life. Mm-hmm.
Not a monkey's track, but damn, it's a great song. Yeah, cool backwards guitar solo, too. Yes, I love it. We're going to take a few minutes now. We're going to feature Bronwyn Lawler Knox with her blog, Monkey vs. Machine, in which she talks about the Monkeys TV show. Today, she's taking a look at the third episode of the Monkeys, Monkey vs. Machine. Take it away, Bronwyn. The Monkeys. Brought to you by Kellogg's. Monkeys vs. Machine, directed by Monkeys creator Robert Rafelson, aired September 26, 1966 on NBC and was written by David Panic, who also wrote Monstrous Monkey Mash and Monkeys at the Circus. This is one of my favorites because of its unusual storyline. It's cited on a website called Chaos and Control, the critique of computation in American commercial media, along with 2001 A Space Odyssey, Star Trek, Dr. Strangelove, and other movies and television shows from 1957 to 1977. The author of this essay, Steve Anderson, postulates that Hollywood stories at that time frequently compared machines to humans. The general conclusion of these shows and movies always seemed to be that people come out ahead in any contest because humans have feelings and are capable of independent thought. This story starts with Mr. Babbitt demanding his rent again, this time over the telephone. The monkeys check the want ads because they need extra money, and this sequence contains the first view of Mr. Schneider, the monkeys' resident dummy and font of wisdom, named for co-creator Bert Schneider. Mike and Mickey send Peter off to get a job at a toy company, a job he's perfect for because it requires no experience or training. Peter interviews with a computer, the DJ61, a machine which by all rights should not have a personality, but it does, indeed, a humorless and flexible one. Take a seat, please. 
To preclude the variable factor inherent in the human equation, we have instituted this new electronic personnel procedure requiring your name, please. What? Thank you. Last name, Watt. And your first name, Mr. Watt. It's not Watt. Not Watt. Mr. Not Watt, Watt. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's not my name at all. My name is... Occupation? Peter, you dig? Pete. You dig Pete. Occupation, Pete Digger. <laughs> and your mother's maiden name? Thompson. Mother's name, Thompson. Sex, please. Female, of course. All right, Mrs. Notwatt. No, my mother is female. What do you do in your spare time, Mrs. Notwatt? Listen, I'm a man. In your spare time, you are a man. No, no, that's not it at all. You, first of all, you got my name wrong. Correction, name misspelled. Please give correct letter. Well, I... Correct letter is I. Name is not Notwatt, but Nitwick. <laughs> Brother is also a nitwit. Now, just a minute. That will do, nitwit. Test complete. Interview ended. Application rejected. <laughs> Give me a chance. I'm sorry you're rejected. Why do I have to talk to a machine? Why couldn't I talk to a human being? Because, nitwit, a machine avoids the human error. The human error. The human error. <laughs> Peter gets upset and flustered and asks why he can't talk to a live person, but the unsympathetic, dare I say machine-like, secretary boots him out. His application is rejected. The monkeys versus machines score, in my head, is monkey zero, machine one. Peter goes home feeling like a failure and tells the others exactly what happened. Now it's Mike's turn to take a crack at the job and the DJ-61, armed with the information from Peter. He enters the interview and takes over. I love it when he does that. The supposedly unemotional computer sure does get flustered when Mike, in true Captain Kirk fashion, turns the DJ-61's questions back on it and starts punching its buttons. Literally and figuratively, I guess. What is your name? Desmond. Sure. What? Thank you, Mr. Watt. What's your first name? It's not Watt. Mr. Not Watt Watt. And what is your occupation? Name is not Not Watt. I am computer DJ61. Oh, you're a DJ. Look, I bet you got a great record collection. <laughs> then tell me about your mother and father. My mother was a duplicating machine. Sex? <laughs> oh, I bet you're a real swinger when you're turned off. <laughs> Dirty old man. Wait, I am not programmed for these questions. Oh, you want a different program? Wait, okay, um... <laughs> Hearing his computer break down, the true machine enters in the person of Daggert, the company executive. Stan Freeberg played Daggert, and he was a very funny man. I have a vague memory of listening to his John and Marsha routine, which YouTube helped me to revive. Freeberg's comic skills really drive this episode. Dagger tells us the computer declared Mike a genius. Mike Nesmith pulls off this adorably proud yet embarrassed expression. Mike's genius destruction of the machine makes the score. Monkeys won, machine won. Dagger is impressed by Mike's ability to outwit one of his machines, so he takes him to the company owner, J.B. Guggins, played by Severn Darden, and declares that he's hiring Mike on the spot. Guggins lets Daggert and his computers do all the thinking for him, and he agrees to whatever Daggert says. Note the picture of Guggins' father and company founder behind the desk, which is clearly also Severn Darden, but with hilarious hair. Daggert then takes Mike around to meet the rest of his staff, who turn out to be computers with human names. These are Daggert's children, and when Mike starts poking at them, Daggert gives him a, don't do that. The only human member of his staff is Harper. 
an old man who designs toys by hand. Pop Harper has made a flexible toy that can be bent into any shape, which he shows to Mike. Daggert scoffs at him, telling him he's part of yesterday, and tells Mike he's only keeping Harper around because Goggin's father promised him a job for life. Harper looks dejected at Daggert's attitude towards him, and Mike is sympathetic. Daggert leaves with disembodied boos accompanying him off-screen. The new score is Monkeys 1, Machine 2. Back at the monkey's pad, Mike is not as happy as he should be about his new job. Is Mike sad because he really thinks Harper made a wonderful toy? Or because Harper is the underdog? We like the monkeys because they are underdogs and always defend the other underdogs they meet. You know, when they're not getting funny looks. Mickey, Peter, and Davy try to cheer Mike up with the romp of Saturday's Child by David Gates, where they play with some kids on the beach. They get along great with the kids because they are big kids themselves. This romp gives Mike the idea to help Harper by sending the other monkeys into the factory as children for the playtests. In a bit that would not look out of place in a Kids in the Hall sketch, Daggert coordinates playtesting sessions to show Goggins how well the computer-designed toys will sell to kids. Monkeys in Mommy and Child Drag in various combinations attend the sessions and wreak monkey-style havoc. Mickey even went so far as to sneak in a child-sized dynamite plunger and explode one of the machine-designed toys. <laughs> A dear little 420 blackbirds baked in a plastic pie toy. Wonderful. See <laughs> <laughs> nice that works? Blackbird wise? <laughs> this toy cannot be bruised, bashed, broken, or scratched in any form. Wonderful. Now, let's all play with our pies. Play with the pie, turn the little cranks. That's a good lad. And there. Is that wonderful? Okay. <laughs> all right, that's the idea. Come on. All right, let's just stop all this playing around now and play with the pie. Toys at, at burn or bash or scratch or, or go boom. <laughs> to sum up these scenes, the kids quickly get bored and toys get destroyed. Daggett responds with temper tantrums and many rounds of, don't do that. Clearly he should be kept far, far away from children. In the DVD commentary for this episode, Peter Tork mentioned that Stan Freebird wasn't scripted to tear the shelves down, he improvised that. In the office with Guggins, Daggert tries to pretend the machines knew this would happen, calling it planned obsolescence. Mike explains the playtests are going badly because building in some happiness should be part of making toys, and machines aren't capable of that. Daggert has lost control, and it's now Monkeys 2 Machine 2. Daggert finally gets wise and realizes Peter is not a little boy and Mickey's no lady. He rips the blonde wig off Mickey's head. Then again, Daggert's not that smart because he disrobes an actual mom to prove she's also a man, for some reason, going for the skirt and not the hair. This gag seems to be an ancestor of the Austin Powers International Man of Mystery movie gag with Mike Myers beating up Basil Exposition's mother shouting, She's a man, baby! Daggert is furious and fires everyone! With that, my count is Monkeys 2, Machine 3. The monkeys and Harper go back to the monkey's pad and mope. They try to throw away Harper's flexible toy, but it keeps coming back in the window because it's now shaped like a boomerang. The monkeys and Harper take this to Guggins and convince him a toy that always comes back will sell and make kids happy. Daggert is not convinced because to him, nothing can be good if it wasn't made by a machine. Guggins does his own thinking for once, not letting Daggert's machines do it for him this time. Well, that means that the thing come back by itself. A toy you can't throw away. It's useless. 
Totally useless. It's useless, huh? Well, all right, then you get rid of it if it's so useless. You bet I'll get rid of it. <laughs> hey, it comes back. I think they may have something there. I say they don't. And I say they may have something there. Think of it, Mr. Goggins. You can sell a million of these things, and then you got a million happy kids. Sure, happiness. Yes, happiness. But you're not that concerned about happiness, are you, Mr. Daggett? You tell him, Pop. Daggett, you're through. Through? You think you can stand before the march of the machine? You, and in the size of you. Jellyfish? Don't change your mind. No, I won't. Uh, humbug. It might have been a bigger victory if Daggett had seen the error of his ways, but that was never going to happen, and wouldn't have rung true if the writers had tried to pull it. Goggins promotes Harper, and for this, the monkeys get another point, making the contest end in a tie. Monkeys three, machine three. Tag sequence where Mike brings home the DJ69 computer to help them figure out what kind of job they could get to help make a little extra money. A last train to Clarksville by Tommy Boy's Bobby Hart romp gives them career suggestions such as a construction worker, fireman, and a farmer. The farm footage is from the Don't Look a Gift Horse episode. Mike gives several incredulous looks to the camera, not buying what the DJ69 is selling. Great episode, one I can watch again and again. The points about the differences between something built by data and analytics versus something made from the heart are all made in very funny and entertaining ways. Though I could live without Mike's moralizing at the end of the episode. Unfortunately, as Daggert pointed out, you can't stop the rise of the machine. Remember 20 years ago when we weren't all walking around with cell phones? Machines are great if we're not ruled by them. Daggett would prefer to leave the creative task to computers, since they can't really make mistakes, and they can't complain. But Daggett himself is full of negative characteristics of human behavior. Violence, close-mindedness, and arrogance. Maybe this is why he sees the machines as superior. If you'd like to read this or the rest of my recaps, you can find them at blissvillepodcast.wordpress.com or blissville.net. And now, back to Zilch. Now, before we go, you recently were part of the Monkeys' 50th anniversary of Head, and of course there were zilch buttons. Did you get one? Well, you know, Ken, there was a zilch button for me left on my chair. Oh, wow. I sat on it, I screamed, and then I realized, ah, it's just a zilch button. (laughs) Well, thank God it wasn't pins up. (laughs) So... We are going to do some special episodes, one in which the audio from that night will be played on our show. And then I want to have you come back and we just talk about Head, the phenomenon, the advertising, how it came to be, and just your thoughts as a monkey's historian on Head. Would you like to do that? Yeah, I'd love to do that. I mean, I find Head endlessly fascinating and there's still lots and lots to dig into. Mm-hmm. Very good. We look forward to that. So, Andrew, I think we should take this moment, since we are in the holidays, and wish everybody a happy holiday, whatever you celebrate. We hope that it's a good one. Uh, definitely a Merry Monkey Miss as well. And uh, we want everybody to take advantage of what's coming up in 2019. I'm really excited about these solo shows with Pete Finney for Michael Nesmith. 
what a rare opportunity you're going to to have to be in an intimate setting and really enjoy a special one-of-a-kind show that you're not going to get when you see a regular FMB show or a monkey's concert. This is something that people really need to check out. Yes, I, I, I couldn't have said it better, Ken. And off the album, and the hits just keep on coming, it's The Candidate. See this tour while you can. Concerned with a slightly tarnished masterpiece, hoping to return is the once forgotten culture thief lying on its side, the stately vessel now replete with harbingers of peace telling lies. Waiting at the door With a stance secure in second thoughts Overlooking signs Of the spiritual bereavement's cost Trying to arrive At a destination that they've lost To ignorance Which winks at them and smiles Listen Patience of the people soon will end Time will tell As the melting of your plastic smile begins Sailing ships of state And ignoring navigation laws Through the sea of men The captains mad with power pause And congratulate themselves On their virtuous and noble cause Which must surely save the world And alter time So we want to wish you a very merry uh, monkey miss and a very happy holiday, sir. Thank you very much, Ken, and the same to you and your family. And I hope to see all the Zilch listeners in the new year, either at the Michael Nesmith Concert Tour or the Mike and Mickey Show in the Northeast, or maybe I'll see you down under when we hit New Zealand and Australia in 2019. Fantastic. So see Andrew and the monkeys, Mike, Mickey, and whatever comes our way, we get out there and, and see everybody be part of this thing while you can. And let's enjoy 2019 as much as we did 2018, right? Indeed. Thank you so much, Ken. All right. Happy holidays and happy new year. Snuck that one in early. See? <laughs> Bye. See you soon. Bye. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. 
Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the Monkees or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. This is Mickey Dolans, and you're listening to... <laughs> Hi again, fellow Monkeys fans. Al Bigley here, also known as Mendrick the Magnificent. And your favorite humble mentalist, Alan Araculo Williams. We just wanted to let you know about our new Monkeys podcast called The Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Well, we reminisce and ruminate along with you guys about our favorite entertainment entity, the monkeys. Who? Oh, oh, of course, the monkeys. We talk about anything and everything. Our own personal memories and opinions, watershed moments in the group's history. You'll hear my partner's famous, amazing remixes of your favorite monkey tunes. Who knows what else we can think of, depending on whether the brain cells work. That's right. Find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Or go to blockspot.com and search for us there. A monkey's podcast for everyone. The Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Check us out. Hi, I'm Megan from Same Page Cast. And I'm Craig from Same Page Cast. Hey, Craig. Where do you yeah. go when you want to hear the latest monkey's news? Oh, come on. I go to Zilch. Of course, Zilch. And if you're looking for even more monkey's content, you can find us at Same Page Cast. On the Pods and Sods Network at iTunes. You know, the word oldies isn't a dirty word. Not in my book, anyway. Hey, this is Ghosty. How would you like to listen to a radio show that spins top hits, lost gems, and then some from the glorious years between 1955 and 1972? One that features interviews with the likes of Julie Newmark, John Sebastian, Al Jardine, Mickey Dolenz, Don Wells, David Cassidy, Angela Cartwright, Bill Medley, Ronnie Spector, Connie Stevens, and many more. Well, the Vintage Rockin' Pop Shop is on the air every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 89.1 WFDU-FM. That's in the uh, New York, New Jersey area. You can also listen to it live online by going to WFDU.FM. But there's an even easier way for you folks who aren't in the New York, New Jersey area and don't want to have to get up at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on a Sunday morning. You can listen to it anytime you want just by clicking the handy links over on our Facebook page. So go on to Facebook. You're probably already on Facebook. Look for the Vintage Rockin' Pop Shop. Like it, live it, love it. And thanks. At Deep Dish Radio, we know that choosing the right podcast is an important lifestyle decision. We know you want to be cool. We know how important it is to be in the in crowd. That's why our team covers the globe to bring you fabulous interviews with guests as diverse as Grammy-nominated songwriter Bobby Hart, Sissy from Family Affair, and that girl from Land of the Lost. I'm Tim Powers, and I'm the host of Deep Dish Radio, and let's be honest... I'm not as famous as Mark Marin, and I don't have the support of NPR like Terry Gross, so I'm not going to get Beyonce, whoever she is. But what I will do is introduce you to authors, cartoonists, songwriters, musicians, comedians, and friends of mine. It's Deep Dish Radio, wherever you get your podcasts.